Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Off the Hook with AJ. This is your host, AJ. I got a very special guest today with me by the name of Mike Rodriguez. Cut man. How you doing, man? Good, good, man. Good, good, good to be on, man. Hope you're doing well. Oh, thank you. Likewise, likewise, man. So Mike has worked with the likes of Manny Pacquiao, Chris Ariola, Freddie Roach, just to name a few. You know, I mean, that's already right there, a great uh, lineup. Also, Gerald Washington. With Gerald Washington, you've been in the, um, in the corner also with Buddy McGirt, Eric yeah. Brown. So uh, you've been in there with, uh, with legends, man. Uh, explain, like, how, how does that feel? You know, it's when you when you surround yourself with good people, your chances of success, you know, obviously go up a lot. And I always pride myself right. that not to work with the right people. Um, Correct. Great long-standing relationship with Freddie and the Wild Card family. I work with majority of uh, with Freddie's fighters. Um, Freddie's just one of the great trainers I get to work with. I do work with Buddy, you know, Duel Diaz. Ronnie Shields, Stephen Breadman, Edward, Henny Ramirez, you know, Danny Zamora, John Pullman, Herman Casiedo, Ariano Sosa from New York. Um, I mean, it just, you're right. I've worked with Eric Brown. I've worked with Robert Garcia. You know, when, when you work with those kind of folks, most of the time, you know that you're getting to work with a top quality fighter as well. And, exactly. and so in having success is, those fighters do well and they're put into bigger fights, you know, having the opportunity to work those bigger fights. I mean, that's kind of what, whatever you do in the sport, that's kind of the level that, that, that you want to be at. But, you know, it, it was a lot of hard work. It wasn't always like that. Right. You know, right. First started, you know, I used to have to beg people. Um, you know, how did you get started? Um, how long, how long have you been doing it again? I've been doing cuts about 13 years. Um, I was training some guys and because of my regular job as a homicide detective, you know, I, 13 years ago, I was rocking and rolling in the homicide business, right. really couldn't dedicate the amount of time to be in the gym. And I apologize for my stuffy nose. I actually, uh, tested positive for COVID this morning. Oh, so wow. I'm feeling How okay. Feeling? I'm feeling okay. It just feels like a bad cold, a little tired. Right. I know that out there that uh got away worse than me i'm vaccinated so i'm very i was telling my sons earlier so far so good i'm 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 fortunate that i'm vaccinated so i could imagine if you're not vaccinated how it might hit you i mean every, i know it hits everybody differently right right so i'm just you know uh, i'm not gonna recovery, man and I, again I, I really thank you for for really coming on you know that, that you're, okay. you're the true champ in the ring man I like I like to, I like to keep my commitments. I just kind of been laying around all day, so actually I was looking I was looking forward to this because I always like to talk to folks, you know, about our great sport that you know obviously has a, a lot of problems um, right. and figure out ways that we can you know enhance the sport and, and, and make it better. And that's and that's what I try to do. I so getting back to that, I was training some guys, but I couldn't be in the gym to dedicate the amount of time that I needed to if I was ever going to work, you know, with a top level fighter. Because right. there'd be days where I couldn't be there because, you know, I'm down in Compton or South Central L.A. or East L.A., you know, right. working a serve-all shooting. So I started picking the brain of some of the greatest cut men ever. The Joe Chavez's, the Miguel Diaz, Carlos Vargas, Stitch Duran, David Martinez. You know, those those gentlemen, Willie Sh Indian Willie Shunky, they were all friends of mine. And they oh, didn't wow. put 
They didn't put any roadblocks for me. A little side note, Stitch Duran, before he was ever Stitch, was my boxing coach in the Air Force. I've known I've known Jacob since I was 19 years old. And we're, oh, wow. we're, we're great friends. And I know he always tells me he's proud of me. Um, but I kind of knew him when he was first starting out, when he was coaching me. So we, we go back a long, long way. And I just kind of, AJ, I just kind of took what I was as a former fighter, being in the military, being a cop for 33 years, now 33 years, being at homicide, you know, now for 17, with my own personality and preparation and my own dedication to the craft and everything about it. And it's just one of those things where I didn't make my niche as a fighter like I thought when I was younger. I didn't as of yet as a trainer, but I make making my niche as a cut man working with the fighters that you mentioned, the Manny Pacquiao's, the Julian J. Rock Williams. You know, I've worked with 21 world champion Sean Porter, wow, Errol Spence. I've that's worked with Danny Ugas. I actually had to make a decision because Ugas asked me to work for that fight as well. You know, Dennis Lebedev, Sergey Lipinets, Abner Mares. I mean, the list goes on. Brandon Figueroa. I just read that his fight got canceled with Stephen Fulton. So, I worked with 21 world champions, and when I did some research early in the pandemic, I did some research about some of the old legendary cutmen, the uh, the Ralph Sitchos, the Eddie Alianos, Chuck Bodaks, and I'm leaving people out. But, um, you know, those guys all worked with 40, 50, you know, world champions when it was right. all done. And, you know, the money's nice. I'm at a point now where I can make a living doing this. But I was having this conversation with, one of my great, great mentors, Ruben Gomez. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago in Minneapolis, and I just got back from Minneapolis, but I was talking to him and Rudy Hernandez. And Rudy's kind of like my quality control guy, where everybody's kind of like, hey, Mike, great job. Rudy's the guy that calls me and says, hey, great job. But did you think of this? Did you think of that? And you need that in your life. And, and, and Ruben, who's worked with, you know, he goes back to working with Roberto Duran. You know, he's always my biggest fan. You know, no matter what, he's always calling me on the holidays. And, and to be surrounded by those kinds of people, you know, puts everything really, really into perspective. Correct, yeah. So the money's nice, and you always want to be treated fairly. Um, and, and, and 99% of the time, that's what happens. But when I retire, and when people talk about me 20, 30 years from now, I want them to mention the world champions that I worked with. Mm-hmm the Hall of Fame trainers that I work with. Because, right. I mean, you can't help. Like myself, I'm a student of the game. I'm always learning. When you mention the names that I brought up, as far as the trainers I work with, you know, you can't help but it, it, it be enlightened with your boxing knowledge. Because, you know, Freddie Roach, who's probably worked with more world champions than any, anybody, his lineage goes back. Who was his mentor? The legendary right. Eddie Futch. And when you think of the four or five greatest trainers that ever lived. You're thinking of Angelo Dundee, you know, Eddie Futch. You're probably thinking Emmanuel Stewart. You're thinking, you know, Freddie Roach. Those are the names. Those are the names that, that, that definitely come to mind. And the okay. custom, you know, you're going back now a little bit. Um, so the Georgie Bentons, the great teachers of the game. So right. you know, I'm blessed to be around those people. And sometimes, you know, I got to pinch myself thinking, man, you know, hard work does pay off. It really does. Um, you know, and like going back to those names, like Eric Brown, Freddie Roach. I mean, I, I've been at Wildcard with 
with uh, with Freddie, and then uh, and then also I've been in the gym with with Eric Brown and Buddy McGirt. And you know, Buddy McGirt, man, he's he's a uh, he's a character. You know, he's uh, he's always gonna crack jokes. He's gonna call you out when you're doing something wrong. And uh, I felt like I was always a problem child when I was always around because he would tell me, AJ, don't do this, don't do that. You know, I, uh, he, he taught I, me a lot. You know, that's the thing about Buddy, man. I never really seen Buddy in a bad mood. I've traveled with Buddy. We've been overseas together. I've had family outings with his family, you know, his wife and kids, and he's been around my sons. And Buddy, <laughs> Buddy just sent me something funny. Buddy's always going to send you something funny, you know, some yeah. kind of or meme. He always does that. He, he, he didn't disappoint. He sent me something today. Um, you know, when it's great is my son has had an opportunity to work multiple fights, mm-hmm. you know, with Buddy as well. And, and, and as my son may, makes his way, you know, he's been doing this now seven, eight years. You know, he gets to work with a lot of those trainers because they have the faith in me to know that I have the faith in him. And, and it's kind right. of just nice. And how, how was it working with De La Hoya? I seen that you were uh, with them um, um, yeah. in preparation yeah. to his fight. But the fact that uh, we all caught COVID, he caught it, his brother Joel caught it. And, you know, me and Joel had actually tested negative last week. I, I was going to make sure that I got tested before I went to Minneapolis. Right, right, and right. Was, yeah, that's true. I wasn't feeling any ill effects, but... Um, couple of starting yesterday i started feeling like i was getting the cold but honestly i don't know did you barely I think, found out did you barely find out today yeah i just found out this morning um okay i thought i had covid like a year ago may um i had all the symptoms and i quarantined mm-hmm. and it hit me, you know somewhat i'm vaccinated so this time around i thought i was really just had a cold that's really what it feels like like yeah. i got a cold so i took two tests this morning just to double up and they both came back positive so I'm just going to work from home the rest of the week, kind of isolate myself, um, you know, and do and, and do and do the right thing. I know there's a and lot. What's of recommended right now when uh, when you do test positive, being vaccinated, do you you have to quarantine for how many days? You know, I don't know. I, have to, I, I don't know. I'm just going to be. I, I just know I'm going to I'm going to do it till um, all of my symptoms go away. I'm going to be safe yeah. about it because Oscar's fight did get canceled. I don't have any. I don't have any fights for a couple of weeks. So oh, so then you're good. Yeah. yeah ever if there's ever a time to to um to catch it i guess there's no good time this would have been the time but i made sure that i tested before i left for minneapolis because i wanted to be sure wow. and, I, and maybe it was in the incubation period i, I don't yeah. know but i did i did take um i did take a test and it said i was negative um and i was able to work the jesus ramos fight i mean right now you just don't know because it's so it's so prevalent and and, and and it's out there. And it's still it's, scary. It's still scary. It's very, I'm fully vaccinated and I get scared. I'm fully vaccinated too. And like, I, I was just telling one of my sons that, I mean, I'm like, you know, I can only, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling great at all. But yeah. if I wasn't vaccinated, then I imagine how bad I would feel. But enough about that, man. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. No, that's true. That's true. So um, now working, working with De La Hoya, how's that experience been? It's great, man. You know, I'm really good friends with his with with his brother Joel and, and his wife Esther. Um, I've known Oscar in passing for many years. We've never really sat down and broke bread other than saying hello. So it was great because, you know, he's he we had kind of a, a small camp. There was a small group of people. It it wasn't a, a large amount of people. It was just basically me, him, Joel, you know, Eric Gomez, his trainer Noe. Um and another kid that was helping us out with the sparring and, and, and it was, it was nice. It was in the evenings. It was yeah. really a good experience. Oscar's a really good guy. 
he was taking it very serious. I know I read some stupid, hilarious things on the on the on the internet. You know, he he backed out of the fight. No, he was legitimately sick, as evidenced by the fact that him and myself and his brother tested positive. Um, he was taking it very serious. And you know, I love watching Oscar because when he steps in the ring, whether it's the shadow box, far hit the mitts, there's certain things that you can see in legendary fighters. You can see it in their eyes. I see it right. in many. I see it in Oscar De La Hoya. Doesn't matter if he's 28 or 48, you can you can still see it. So um, he was ready. I mean, I know he was extremely disappointed, and I think um, you know I'm not part of his managerial promotional team, but you know I wouldn't be surprised if you know once he's well again that they get on track and you know they 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 get something else they get something else on the books. Oh yeah, that 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 for sure was going to happen. You know he's going to fight. You know again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he fights in within two months, you know, I mean, well, he, was already, he was already looking in shape. Yeah. And that's the great thing is that he was in fantastic shape and I try to keep myself in good shape. Um, so to keep my immune system up, you know, so right. um, I'm ho ho hopefully that's factoring in a positive way that although I don't feel great right now, right. I potentially feel worse. And I, and I, and I, so far knock on wood, I haven't. Well, you're looking great, man. And I love that shirt, too. I love that shirt, man. I got to get me one of those. Yeah, we got to get you one of these, man. Get you part of that war tape, family. Guys, too. Guys, too, man. So so uh, let's go back to when, when you first started, man. Um, what was do you remember your first your first fight that you worked at? Man, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say because when I first started, I had to work with the dudes coming in from out of town that were like 0 and 3, 1 and 4, uh, 2 and 5, the guys that. And I have much respect for them. I believe right. me. I give those guys more credit than I give an undefeated 10 and 0 kid because the odds are stacked against these guys. Right. You know, they come in without a trainer and be like, well, if you want to work, hey, here's the guy to work with. You know they're going to get their brains beat in. But right. you know what? AJ, it's just about paying your dues, man. Nobody ever just shows up and they're going to hand this to you. I agree. You know, especially with the cutman and the trainer. Boxing is a very it's a big world, but it's a very small paternity. And your reputation is everything. And I, I don't think you get to the point to work with the names that the fighters and the trainers that, that, I've, that we've mentioned, you know, unless they trust your work and they, they have faith in you. And that's the big thing is that they can have faith in. in oh, I think we lost uh, Mike for a second. Oh, no. For there, an there he goes. He's back. He's back. Like anything else, man, you build your business. Right. You know, you build your business and, and, you know, you go from working with the out of town guys. And I worked a lot of lower level MMA stuff because those guys get cut. That's how you practice. You know, too many people today because of MMA, they want to be a cut man because they think it's fashionable. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to wear a funny little hat. They have a cute vest. They got some funky little nickname and they try to become almost like hat. cartoon characters. People ask me all the time, like, how do you get known for being a good cut man? I go, it's simple, man. You for you, you, you reduce swelling and, and you stop the bleeding. There's, you know, yeah. I don't care what kind of hat or nickname you have. People gotta know that they can count on your work when 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 the chips are down and you're in a mm -hmm. world title fight and the guy gets cut in the second round and you gotta work that cut for 10, 11 rounds. That's not easy. You know, I just worked a cut with Victor Ortiz with Freddie Roach and 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 Trainer Pepe Riley and Pepe's a great friend of mine. He's a great supporter oh, of mine. I don't know if you know Pepe. Right? Pepe was on the Olympic team with De La Hoya in '92. Right. You know, he turned professional with top rank. He 
He was the longtime trainer for Ray Beltran when Ray Beltran made his title run. So Pep's got a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Victor was cut in the third round. And, you know, I had to work that cut for seven rounds. And, you know, some he'd come back and it was bleeding. You'd stop it and it wouldn't bleed the next round. But then he'd get hit or butted again. That was a very physical fight. So you just never know, you know, what, what's going to happen. You just have to ex- – you hope for the best, but you have to plan and expect the worst. And I think that's what I do. And that's what, what I bring my – being a, a cop for 33 years and being especially a homicide detective. I'm really big on preparation, and I'm really big on details. The devil is always in the details. You know what? I've seen that in one of the posts I, that, that, uh, that you did where you were working a I can't hear you. You can't hear me? Let me see. Yeah, my, my volume's good. Can you hear me? You still can't hear me? You got to press your... Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you fine. I can't hear you. Huh. Let's see. Let's see what's going on here. Give me one second, guys. A little bit of technical difficulties here. All right. I'm good on my end. I'm good on my end. Let's see. No. All right. We'll be right back, everyone. Give us one second here. All right. We're back, everyone. We had a little bit of uh, diff- technical difficulties. But uh, going back to um, when you were talking about with Victor Ortiz, he had a cut and you were trying to stop it for seven rounds, correct? He got the cut yeah. in the third round. So what yeah. was the process in that? Because it will stop bleeding and then it'll it'll keep bleeding. And so what mentally – how do you mentally, like like, do that? Like, how do you, like, try to get him – you know, for that cut to just stop bleeding? Well, you know, you got to just apply the techniques and the medicines that, that you know. You know, sometimes a bad cut is not going to stop in one or two rounds. But if you look at the fight, if you look in the ninth or ninth or tenth round, he's no longer bleeding. They take right. a couple of rounds to get under control. I had it under control in the fifth and the sixth. Then I think he got hit or butted again in the seventh or eighth. And then after that, it wasn't an issue. But it's mainly the head trainer and the fighter knowing that you're going to do your job. And I always tell my fighters, just because right. you see me working on you doesn't mean anything's wrong. Anything is wrong. I'm a big preventive maintenance guy. I like to address swelling before it actually even starts. Um, some of the best work that I think I've ever done, people didn't even know because I never let it become a problem. Right. You know, with the swelling, I addressed it very early on. And it's kind of like putting out those small wildfires so they don't become a big brush fire, you know, as the fight moves on. Now, um, I'm curious to know, how do you get started to be a, a cut man? Like, what, what, what do you like have to do? With- I said earlier, man, it's just, it's not something where, you know, you can, you know, you go to, you go to college for, you right. know, I know people are like, well, I'm a doctor or I'm a nurse or I'm a paramedic. It's a different animal. I have no, I have no medical training. Right, what right. I, That's what I was going to ask. But what I do know is boxing. And the people that I mentioned, the Ruben Gomez, the Rudy Hernandez, the Stitch Duran, Carlos Vargas, Joe Chavez, you know, Indian Willie, David Martinez. All the greats. Those are the guys, the Russ Amber. Those are the guys that I learned from as far as talking to them. And now you have some of my contemporary guys, Mike Basil, who works with Stitch on the top rank fights, Aaron Navarro, Mike Rilla back in New York, and Danny Milano. Danny's been a great friend. Mike and Danny are two top cut men on the East Coast. Um, they're really, really good guys. And you know what's great is at the, at the upper level, all the cut men, we all, we all get along pretty good. Um, and, you know, we're very respectful of each other. But it's just one of those things where, you know, it just hit me one day 
I still want to stay in the sport, but because of my regular job, I mean, I have a regular career. Mm-hmm. I do this, and and this is something I decided to do. And once I decided, once I decided to do something, I'm going to put my 100% effort to learn everything I can about it. I still do that. I st- I'm still thinking of different ways to to make myself more efficient in the corner. And there are nights I'm like, you know what? I didn't I didn't feel like I had a good rhythm. A lot of it has to do with the fighter and the trainer and their little movements and nuances. And that's why I like working with fighters repeatedly and trainers over and over. Some of the trainers that I mentioned, I work multiple, multiple, multiple fights with them. So they let me do my thing. They don't get in. They don't, they respect me and my work. So they just let me do what I need to do. Um, and how do you balance being a homicide detective and, and working the corners, man? Like how, how do you find balance? There's, there's an old saying, you make people make time for what they want to make time for. Very true. All I do, I don't go skiing. I don't go snowboarding. You know, I don't go sightseeing on vacation. Right. I'm, I'm pretty much a guy that works, works out and I work fights and I, I devote a lot of time to, uh, as, a, as a partner with war tape. Uh, I devote a lot of time with that. The nice thing about it, a lot of these things kind of overlap. Um, it was getting pretty hectic about two and a half years ago. Um, because I'm close to retirement, I can retire anytime. Okay. I, I took over the missing persons unit um, at Homicide Bureau. So now it's nice where before I was only on call every third weekend, and if there was a big fight, I would just take it off. Okay. I'm off weekends now, and I have great detectives that work for me, and I pretty much just provide a lot of oversight, review, and consultation. So it's right. really user-friendly for me. So user-friendly, that's why I haven't retired. And I think as I move along here in the next six months or a year, I may just decide, you know what, it's it's time. I've been doing this my whole adult life, but I still have a passion for it. I've been with Sheriff's Homicide Bureau 17 years, half my career, um, and I take a lot of pride in that. And my hat's to you, honestly. Like, that that's really unique. You know, I was really looking forward to uh, interviewing you today and asking yeah. you questions, you know? Um, I'm in the I'm in the blood business. Uh, yeah. Bob- Reporter Gabe Montoya on both sides kind of stuck me with that about 10, 11 years ago. He was, Mike, you're in the blood business. And one day I was working a homicide out in the Antelope Valley up in Palmdale. And I'm I in Lancaster. Uh, so they showed me on the news um, at a crime scene, and Oscar's brother, Joel, screenshot this picture. And uh, and he says, when he's not stopping cuts, he's solving crime, the crime fighting cut man. That's it's kind of just stuck, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm actually in Lancaster. Man, I feel bad for you, man. I, I don't like going. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? I got used to it. I was born. I was born and raised in Sacramento, up north, and uh, moving down here to the desert was a little bit different. But what, hey, the heat. What part what, is Sacramento? South Sac. Okay, I'm originally from Roseville, man. Oh, really? Or so we a, have more in common than we really thought of, man. I was, I was just up there last weekend. All of my family is from my mom and dad. Grew up there. All my aunts, uncles, all my extended family are in Roseville. We actually moved when I was ten to the Bay Area, and I grew up in Concord. But that's crazy. I'm really from. I'm I'm, I'm originally from Roseville. Yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, Florence. Florence. Okay. I went to Wilsey Ward Middle right. School. <laughs> yeah, man. So, who was your um? Who was your favorite boxers growing up? Um. You idolized uh, growing up. Alexis Arguello, Roberto Duran, uh, Tommy Hearns. Matthew Saab Mohammed. Okay. Salvador Sanchez, Wolfred Benitez. I mean, those were the guys. Bobby Chacon. 
those were the guys that I grew up with. And what's crazy is I hated Sugar Ray Leonard growing up because he beat Hearns, he beat Duran. But as I got older, you can probably say that Ray Leonard is one of my favorite fighters. But I just didn't root for him at the time. But if you look at Ray Leonard and what he did in his career, he was just a great, great fighter. And Ray Leonard was a killer. Oh, yeah. I love Matthew Saad Mohammed because he always got off the deck, you know, and always came back and won and he was in exciting fights. Um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s when there were just so many tremendous fights and fighters used to fight each other. And, and it was it was great when you think of all the fights between Leonard and Duran and Hagler and Hearns and Benitez and, you know, people forget, fights. forget that era afterwards with, you know, Mill McCrory and Mike McCallum and Donald Curry and, and Lloyd Hunnigan and the Buddy McGirts and Pernell Whitakers and mm-hmm. that, you know, into the De La Hoyas and Cortez and Vargas and Trinidad and Mosley, you know, and then they transitioned into the, you know, the Pacquiao and Mayweathers and now, you know, you're into another area with the Terrence Crawford and the Errol Spence and your Denny Suga. So to actually be a part of that in some way, shape or form is, is for me, man, is, 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 is worth its weight in gold. Oh, that's awesome. And who do, uh, who do you enjoy watching right now? What boxers do you enjoy? Uh, you know, I, well, obviously I enjoy the fighters that, that, that I work with. One of the fighters that I'm really, really high on is I just worked with him is Jesus Ramos. I just, no, he just recently him. fought uh, this past Saturday. He got the victory, too. Saturday, he fought a really, really tough and good fighter, Brian Mendoza. I love watching Jerron Ennis. The whole world don't know about Jerron Ennis yet, mm-hmm. but they better, they, they, better, they better get used to hearing his name because he's going to be a tough out for the next 10, 12 years, whether he stays at 47 or moves up to 54 and, and, and so on down the line. Um, and I, think, I think Ramos is going to be somebody that, that everybody yeah. should watch out for. Yeah, you know, when I look at these younger guys, um, that kid um, that Jose Benavides Sr. trains, um, I think oh, his uh, name Ray, uh, is it... Ra- Ra- uh, Jose. Uh, Ra- uh, yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go, yeah. Yeah, he's somebody to look out for. Derek James has that kid, Frank Martin, that I've worked with. Mm. Um, work with I work with Joey Spencer. Um, Joey's got a big upside. Um just you know a whole host i work with blair cobb right um Posolito velasquez and raul Puriel, you know over at the wild card um you know i got i'm blessed between my son and i man we got over we got over 50 fighters worldwide so that is you know, that's I a never, great accomplishment I never play favorites you develop your individual relationships with these guys but i think aside from my favorite fighters that i like to watch today you want to see them as much as you want to watch them, you want to see them in compelling fights. Right. You know, that's, I'm hoping the Porter Crawford fight gets made because as great as I think Terrence Crawford is, you don't become really great until you test yourself against a great fighter. I agree. And, and I mean, and when I look back to some of the fighters that we mentioned, what do they all have in common, man? They, they fought all the best. You know, Oscar De La Hoya, he didn't miss anybody. He didn't That's miss true. anybody. Manny Pacquiao didn't miss anybody as far as who they were supposed to fight. Right. So Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, they didn't miss anybody. They weren't dunking, ducking anybody either. That's what I mean. They didn't yeah. miss anybody. That's yeah. exactly what I mean. And I don't even like the word, the, the word there's, the, there's the business end of it too. I don't expect these guys to fight for peanuts. Sometimes the business end doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But 
I was doing some research. And one year, Oscar De La Hoya fought five times. What year was that? And what was that? What year was that? I remember that. But I mean, no, you're right, though. There was a year where he was very active. And well, he's always, those guys were always very active. But what I'm saying is, and it's not like, I think in in that year, he might have fought Felix Trinidad. He might have fought, I mean, the the, the names that he, it wasn't so much, I was impressed the fact that he fought five times. But the names of the guys that he fought in that year's time, that's a whole career for some guy. I think that was around the time that he fought Fernando Vargas as well. And it may quite have been. And if you look at Manny Pacquiao and you look at, you know, people think of now and they think that he beat De La Hoya and he fought Mayweather and he beat Keith Thurman. But they forget sometimes that body of work that he had in, when he was a featherweight. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get Eric Morales and the, and the uh, Marco Antonio Barreras and, and you know, that that. That whole, that whole, the, the, the quadruple fights with Juan, Juan Manuel Marquez, you know, those fights sometimes get lost in the shuffle and his greatness and the fact that he's the only eight division world champion. I mean, think about that. He won the title at, you know, a freaking flyweight and he's fighting a big guy and is at 42, 43 years old, your Dennis Ugas, who's got to be one of the biggest welterweights you've ever seen. Yeah, and I think that fight was very underrated. A lot of people were, weren't really excited, too excited about that fight. Well, because I, people are easy to have to form their opinions. Yeah. Instead of concentrating on the journey, mm-hmm. the concentrate on the destination. It's not like he went in there and got blown out. It was a good, hard, competitive fight. Ugas was the better. Very happy for him and his trainer, Ismail Salas, who I didn't mention, who I work with a lot of Ismail's guys. Right, right. Just saw Ismail over the weekend. And, and you know, we talked. He's like, hey, Mikey, you're, you know, your family, no matter what, sometimes we're going to work together and sometimes we're going to work against each other. The fact that we are working in those high-level fights you know, lets me know that every time we see each other, you know, we're all doing well. And that's that's what it's all about. And that's cool, man, that you guys have that respect for each other that, you know, sometimes we're going to work together and sometimes we're going to be opposites. Absolutely. Well, that respect is always going to be there. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's just about being a pro, man. It's always about being a pro. Exactly. I agree. Um, so let me ask you, uh, Canelo and Plant, who do you got on that fight, man? You know, Canelo's going to be a tough out at 68. Um, and... But people got to remember, I mean, they don't know. Caleb Plant can really fight. Oh, yeah. He can is he a big puncher? No. So I think the difference is, is he may not have the firepower to keep Canelo off of him in the later rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canelo finds a rhythm and a groove in a fight. He exposes a guy's weaknesses, whether it's absorbing shots, um, whether it's position in the ring. You know, he's very good at that. He's a great counter puncher. But Caleb Plant can really fight, and there is no shame if he loses to Canelo Alvarez. I love Caleb Plant's mindset. He's not going in there that he's just happy to be there. I've known Caleb for a number of years. He's a gritty, tough kid that he's gotten to this point in his professional career because he did what? He believed in himself. Right. You know, people crack me up when they, you know, oh, he's going to get this, he's going to get that, or why is he talking shit? You know why? Because he believes in himself. Man. And I don't know any great fighter that went into a fight thinking they weren't going to win. Um, it's and, a and I don't think that fight's going to be a, a easy fight for Canelo. Honestly, not, I don't think so. Plant provides a lot of different wrinkles that, that Canelo hasn't had to actually go against in the last couple of years. Plant's a very good boxer. But I think the difference here is going to be in the power. Um, it's going to be in the power who can take it's not always who can punch the hardest it's always think about it. it's who can take the other's power the best 
right. sometimes bigger puncher. I agree. I agree with that. That's going to be a very exciting fight. I can't wait for that one. You know, there's a lot of great uh, fights coming up. We, we got Fury coming up uh, versus Wilder next month. Yeah, you got Joshua and Usyk, which yep. I'm very that fight because um, you know, Usyk's very technical, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's going to be a that's going to be a chess match until somebody gets hurt. I think Wilder Fury is going to be a good fight. It's going to be better than the last fight. I think um, Wilder has a lot to prove, and and I think you know Deontay Wilder believes in himself. That's the key, man. You if you believe in yourself, great things can happen. I think it's going to be a very compelling fight, uh, and that's what I want to see. I watch so many fights, whether I'm working them or I'm around them, and sometimes it's like, are you going to watch? And I'm like, nah, not really, because I kind of already know when. I mean, you know? and we also have uh, we also have Tofima Lopez fight fight coming up. And and I, I'm really excited to see is uh, Shakur Stevenson and Jamal Herring. That yeah, one's going to be good. I remember Jamal Herring turned turned pro. Um, I've been a, a friend of his, and I've been a, a big fan uh-huh. of his. And you talk about a guy that's gotten the most out of his ability because out of the 2012 Olympic team, he was the team captain, mm-hmm. but least heralded of all those guys on the Olympic team. And, and, and when he switched over to top rank and he went over with Bowback and Red over in the Crawford camp, you know, things changed for him. And he started, mm-hmm. he, the light started shining on him and he started believing in himself. And now look, he's a world champion and he's in a, he's in a big fight. Win, lose, or draw. His life, Change. For him, his family has, has changed forever. Shakur is a tremendous talent. And oh, yeah. he's another one of those young champions like Teofimo. Teofimo has already been put under the fire because of Lomachenko. That alone is a, is a, is a, career, a career-defining win. You want to see them in good, compelling fights. I just think because of this COVID, um, you know, it's really slowed things down. We're trying to get it back on track. But as you can see, the Figueroa Fulton fight got postponed. Mm-hmm. Oscar's. You know, Oscar's fight got postponed this week, and it's just a whole myriad of, you know, everybody's getting exposed again. And, you know, there I, here I am, you know, stuck in my bedroom now for the next week because I want to get better and, right. you know, not, not contaminate anybody else. <laughs> I agree. I agree, man. So let's uh, – we have this thing here on the show we call Let's Get Personal. So I'm going to ask you some random questions, all right? This is usually towards the end of the interview. So I'm going to ask you some random questions and you just got to answer them. All right. And they're going to just be random. Give me one second here. I got it right here. All right. So first question, favorite food. All foods. All foods. All foods, man. Favorite color. Green. Favorite athlete. Any sport. Muhammad Ali. First car. 76 Monte Carlo. Nice one. Dream car. I'm not really into cars. They don't do nothing for me. True. Okay. Favorite place to travel? Probably the Audi, the, the, the Audi, the A5. Okay. Uh, favorite place to travel? Somewhere where you've gone or somewhere where you would actually want to go? Well, I don't get excited about those things, man. I've been from the military and boxing. I've been around the world. Uh, you know what? I'm a different animal, man, when it comes to these kind of things. Oh, no, that's awesome, though, man. I love that. I love that. Last question right here. All-time favorite movie? Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. All right, all right. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for, for, for being on the show. Thank you for joining us. You know, where can everybody follow you at? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's the same thing, Boxer Rods, B-O-X-E-R-R-O-D-Z as in zebra. 
Um, yeah, give me a follow, man. I appreciate you having me on. It, it kind of broke up my day. I don't feel as sick as I did an hour ago, so I'm, I'm, I think I think we're good. Hey, I appreciate that, man, and a speedy recovery, man. And uh, I got to get one of those shirts, man, so I'll hit you up. Buddy, over- buddy, buddy, shoot me your address, and we'll get one out to you. All right, sounds good. Thank you again. Mike Rodriguez, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys can follow us at Off the Hook with AJ. You guys can follow me at AJ underscore official page underscore. And uh, we're good, man. Till next time, thank you again. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a holler, man. All right, take care, AJ. Good All right, you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty.